Hello and welcome to the Animation Club podcast. This is a Q&A featuring Kate Jessup. Please note that these Q&As were recorded across 2020 and 2021 during the COVID-19 pandemic. We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. Goodbye for now. Okay, hello Animation Club. Um, We've got another live Q&A today with Kate Jessup. Um, Kate, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi everyone. My name is Kate Jessup and I'm an animation director based in the UK. Cool. So, as always, if you've got any questions, please make sure to put them in the chat. Um, And yeah, shall we get into questions straight away? Yeah. Okay. Good. (laughs) So, so first question um, How did you get started with animation? Where's your kind of beginning? So I actually didn't get into animation until perhaps kind of slightly later on. So um, for for a couple of reasons. So I studied illustration to begin with. So I had quite a traditional art background. So I went to art school 20 years ago. And back then you couldn't really study animation as such. So I studied illustration with animation. And there was a slight animation element to it. It was very traditional um, drawing on paper, on light boxes lots of direct filmmaking, um, just incredibly analog. Um, So I actually ended up doing more kind of um, illustration work afterwards, sort of editorial. But it was actually being part of Manchester club culture that got me into working with movie image. So I did quite a lot of like club visuals and music videos and that kind of thing when I was in my 20s. And, And basically just kind of taught myself software. So I taught myself software uh got, got got my first mac and just and started working um di- di- digitally from then on my first proper film so i was i was making lots of music videos for really shit manchester bands <laughs> and then my first proper film really i made when i was about 26 and that's when i started working uh with comic film in manchester so they're a publishing company and they published quite a lot of uh, prose, quite a lot of poetry. And um, the the director of Comic Press ended up being my producer for a short time because they were looking for a lot of um, poetry films to be commissioned. So actually quite a lot of my early films were poetry films. So I made a film uh, called Desires and it ended up representing the UK and the best of best of women in film and TV. I got a, a distribution deal for it with Shorts International. It just did really well and it just opened up lots of doors for me. And I was like, oh, is this a thing? Is this a thing that you can do? I didn't realise that this is a thing that I can do. And then I just ended up getting quite a lot of um, like poetry film commissions. I, I think like poetry and animation has got, um, it's, it's, it's got like a, like a mutual understanding in the respect that it's both kind of like temporal, it's both based on rhythm, it's quite short. It's um, so I think I still feel like poetry film is a really nice kind of medium to work in. So, so yeah. And then, so then after that, um, I just started sort of like storming film festivals, I guess, from, from then onwards. And then I sort of became a filmmaker. So I didn't really intend to be a filmmaker as such. Um, when I was younger, um, actually, I wanted to be in a band. So I was actually like doing music. So I played in lots of really shit bands. Then I made music videos for shit bands and then I became a filmmaker. And then I, and then I just seemed to be good at that. So I just, I've stuck with it ever since. So it's so a slightly unconventional route, I guess. 
No, it's really interesting though. I mean, and I think that kind of does come across in, in the films that you make. Uh, it's a very different experience to mine. And, and when I watch your films, I notice that there's a lot of kind of almost like this like mixed media um, approach to it, which is really interesting. And I think you've got to have such a kind of different creative outlook on, on it. Whereas for me, if I, I was to make a film, I'd, I'd think about, okay, I've got to draw everything from scratch and things like that. Whereas you use a lot of like live action mixed with yeah. animation and 2D and things like that. And, and I guess I wanted to ask, what is that process like? And I was going to ask what the influences are, but I can I can tell a lot of it is from your background and your history. But but yeah, what what is the kind of process of actually making yeah. a short film for you? Um, so in terms of process, so just to say, like Noah, your process is valid too. So there's lots of processes. Um, there's none that's like right or wrong. Um, so I I just really like materials. I really like working with materials. Um, like, I don't know if you saw like Nadira Coleman, which is one of my latest films. Uh, that was on the film festival circuit last year. That was an Annie doc that had a lot of stop motion and a lot of working with materials. Um, so that was based on Negar's research and she just brought back loads of stuff from Central Asia, which is wonderful for me to animate with. So I just, I really like working with materials. Uh, I really like working with the texture. I mean, obviously all my stuff is is digital based now, but I do sort of feel like almost I had a bit of an advantage in regards to the era that I started out in. And like, I feel like I'm almost bilingual in respect of like traditional and uh, digital. So I can do things in an analog way, but I can also, I know After Effects like the back of my hand. So, so I sort of feel like sometimes now, um, if people go straight to digital, it's like they're missing something because everything can sometimes look quite clean and the same, actually. Um, I think that's why I never really got into 3D because it all just looks the same to me and there's no kind of personal visual language or personal voice. Mm. So, so yeah, so that, that is where my approach comes from. So I love stop motion. I mean, on my BA, I did a lot of printmaking and I sort of continued with that for quite a while, actually. So I still scan in quite a lot of prints. So I love printmaking, love stop motion. Like, I, I like lots of different methods and I, and I like combining them. So that's where my mixed media approach comes from. And what was your question? What is my approach to making a film? Is that what you asked? Yeah, just kind of the process. Like, what's your process of actually making the film itself? Um, it depends which film. Um, <laughs> I can talk about Pussy Willow or, or I can talk mm -hmm. about Nadira. Um, so, I mean, so with Nadira, uh, which was the last Annie Doc film I did, um, I uh, met with Negar and tried to work out what the underlying themes were. So it's all about the message fundamentally. So it's all about what are you trying to communicate? So it's what are you trying to communicate and what is the best methodology or the best visual language that you can use in order to, to communicate that meaning um so, so this is still within the kind of like feminist film genre that i often work in which is why she wanted to work with me so so she actually saw pussy willow and then wanted to work with me mm -hmm. and i know like nadira is like quite serious and it's like completely different to pussy willow which is like absurd and ridiculous but it's still from a, a common place which is thinking about feminism Mm -hmm. um, so with that, we met up and I tried to sort of unravel what her intentions were because it was based on a paper that she wrote, which was actually quite a long academic paper. We broke it down. Uh, I was quite brutal, actually, um, because the budget go over two minutes. So I was like, I'm not doing any more than two minutes. <laughs> so, so I'm quite boundaried like that. So we sat down and I was like, we, we're going to break this down. So it's going to be two minutes. So it's two A4 sides. And then just try to work out what the fundamental themes were and the best way to portray that. So for me, I for that film, I wanted to have an overall like coal 
feeling about it. Mm. Obviously, it's about coal. It's about so it's about female coal miners in Central Asia. For people who haven't seen it, mm-hmm. um, so I worked with charcoal animation for that one quite a lot. So I worked frame by frame um, under a rostrum and just drew uh, like erasure technique. So I drew, rubbed it out, drew, rubbed it out, drew, rubbed it out. So I used that to create a texture um, to make a track mat on After Effects, which means that you can have a, a texture which. Um, takes on the form of, of a different animation. So, so the woman that is that is doing the coal mining was just a, a black trap mac animated, and then I made all this like charcoal loop mm-hmm. in order to to fill that coal miner with charcoal. So I worked with um, like lots of like charcoal loop like textured loops. Um, I obviously worked with the actual coal um, under the camera, so that that was a transitional device. And then just lots of her objects that she brought back, which were lovely, like the folding of the of the cloth from Central Asia. That's also a transitional device and uh, the teapots as well. So all of that is shot on green screen. So it's kind of similar to Pussy Willow. Mm-hmm. So all of the kind of real world stuff, I always shoot against green screen and I then comp it against just backdrops that I designed. So like my artwork, basically, and then mm-hmm. overlay with lots of textures. Um, so, I mean, there is an overall process, which is compositing, lots of textured layers, lots of compositing. But um, but yeah, like the individual stop motion is always on green screen, as is the live action. So, cool. so, with, so with Pussy Willow, if you, wanna, if you want me to talk about that. Yeah. So that's all shot against green screen. So, so I write the scripts. Um, so for people who haven't seen that, that's this is um, an absurdist adult animation comedy series that I've written. So I work with actors and I, I comp them onto animated bodies and put them into animated worlds. So with Pussy Willow, um, we just have a day in the green screen studio. So I, I send the scripts to the actors and, and actually some of it is improvised on a day actually. So, I mean, it's hilarious. I mean, we just, just, we just don't stop laughing when we're shooting it. It's, it's just such good crack, it's a riot. So, so we just don't stop laughing when we're filming it. So I, we do a couple of takes, but actually a lot of the time it doesn't take, take that long. Yeah. So I then, so I spend the day with the actors, we film it all, I take it home. I, I, I key out the green screen, mask out the heads, um, design all the bodies, and I then comp the heads onto the bodies uh, the bodies are puppeted in After Effects, and, and I also design all the backdrops, all the artwork. I, I, I comp everything in After Effects. So again, it's the same kind of mixed media approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of my, my my intentions for Pussy Willow, I did make a choice that the fact that I wanted to have actors in it. Um, so I wanted to have actors in it because I wanted it to be relatable to a certain extent. I mean, obviously, um, you know, like like animated characters and lip sync is wonderful, but there was just something about having actors that I, I just really wanted because I wanted people to be able to like relate to it um, on a on a certain level. But I didn't want it to be all live action because sometimes it is a little bit absurd in like coming into the station. If you've seen that one, yeah, when they're, when they're on the train and yeah, so like grandma gives. <laughs> I, I just kind of think like if that was live action I just don't think I'd be able to quite pull it off I think mm-hmm. the fact that I approach quite difficult topics the fact mm-hmm. that it's like part animation part live action it softens the blow a little mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm. yeah definitely and and that kind of leads into another question uh have you ever faced any kind of barriers when either pitching a film or trying to maybe submit a film to a, a festival or funding or anything like that and and if you have how have you kind of overcome that so I've got a couple of experiences so I feel like actually film festivals and the creative industries when you're freelance actually 
it all goes on your showreel. So I, I actually find it to be genuinely quite a democratic process, whereas people, they, they just want to look at your work. They just want to look at your reel. And then the added thing is just, can you like deliver on time? <clears throat> so actually, in terms of film festivals and freelance work, I would say, um, no, I haven't experienced any barriers in regards to getting stuff commissioned or in regards to getting selected. However, I do think that the way that I am treated is different. So I have had quite a few times where I've turned up at a film festival, more a just sort of generic kind of live action one where I turn up. And, and this has happened to me quite a few times now where people see you and they say, are you an actress? And I'm like, no. And then they say, are you a producer? And I'm like, no. And not that, not that there's anything wrong with being a producer and there's nothing mm. wrong with being an actress, but it, but saying are you a director that is not the first thing that comes to their mind mm -hmm. so when they see a woman or, or a femme presenting woman or a blonde femme presenting woman their first thing that they think is are you an actress their second thing that they think is are you a producer to be fair there are a lot of female producers mm -hmm. and then sometimes they're out of the, they're like oh there's nothing else what else is then i say no no i'm i'm here as a director and then i had oh god i had an american guy once just like he, he, his response to me was like oh i like directors and it was just such a weird thing to say to me it, it was almost like a pussy willow sketch i, I am actually <laughs> based on this so so the way that you're treated afterwards uh, when you when you show up it's different it's it's like yeah like like people wouldn't think to say that but to be fair it kind of reminds me of um like the music industry so 20 years ago when i when i started djing in manchester and back then there weren't any female djs mm -hmm. and and i i would turn up with my record box and the kind of looks on bar managers' faces when I would turn up. I mean, this is 20 years ago, so it's a long time. It's half my lifetime ago. But, I mean, it was astounding. And, mm -hmm. and I would start DJing and I would get heckled. And so people in the pub would, be, like, I'd get all these, like, manks going, like, are you going to play Kylie Minogue? Are you going to play Kylie Minogue? <laughs> Me again, like like um, a femme presenting woman, and be like, like what, what the fuck, Regina? Basically, <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I used to get heckled quite a lot. To be, but and to be fair, that was actually quite good training because that taught me poker face. Because I took so much shit when I started DJing as one of the only female DJs in Manchester at the time. So I had to prove myself more. I had to work ten percent mm. harder to make sure I was better than anyone else. Whereas I'd see some like bloke walk in and they would not get questioned in the same way and actually quite a lot of things where i would go and the bar manager would make me set up the decks to kind of like test me whereas actually mm -hmm. it's, usually it's all set up for you but it's fine I, because i i lived in a house with decks in the living room that's how i started so i absolutely knew my stuff so actually i feel like i faced more barriers in music 20 years ago than i do now apart from when i turn up at film festivals so i don't feel like there's as much of a barrier in that respect but i would say the barrier that i feel still does exist actually is class as opposed to mm. gender so I feel like especially in London uh, so when I moved to London I felt like I met a lot of people at film festivals where I'll be like what do you do and they'd be like I'm like taking some time out to write my feature and it's like how how do you afford to take time out yeah. in London and then they'd be like oh yeah so like my dad just like bought me a flat in King's Cross and I was like oh that's how you're taking some time out <laughs> <laughs> dad 
but you're planting King's Cross. So mm. I feel like actually there's still a lot of privilege in uh, in creative industries, especially in London. I've met, and it's always white people as well. When I turn up to film festivals, it's a whitewash. There's not a lot of Northerners or like people from Scotland. It's very mm. white Southeast. So actually now I'd say in creative industries, there is an equal split in terms of male and female, often more female producers and more male directors. But actually I feel like um, now there's more of an inequality in regards to class and privilege like who are the people that get to work in the creative industries yeah. often people whose dad bought them a flat in King's Cross um, or people who are from that area and they can afford to live at home and work for free uh, or they can afford to live at home and like commute in and do unpaid internships because yeah. let's say if you're a person from Scotland or like Leeds or Sheffield or Wales and mm. Uh, you want to uh, break into the creative industries in London and you don't have any contacts, you can't afford to work for free. You have to like move yeah. there and you have to pay your rent. And the the ability to be able to take some time out to write your feature or to work for free as an intern, that is a privilege. And, and it's not a privilege that everybody has. And I think that there's a real class inequality still in the creative industries. Yeah. Definitely. And and would you say that you kind of had to face that barrier yourself? Yeah, when I moved to London, I didn't know anyone, yeah. um, uh, apart from my old Manchester friends. Um, so yeah, I mean, I had to start from scratch, you know, mm -hmm. I, I turned up to everything. So, so that's, that's how I made connections. So like every like film event that I was invited to, I turned up to. So I, I joined London Animation Club um, when mm -hmm. I first uh, joined. And that's how I met basically most of London Animation. So like through that club yeah so, so so it's what i always say to to students now it's like community is so important just yeah. showing up being part of the community and and that's how you make friends and that's how you make connections and actually that's how jobs come up as well so so mm -hmm. so, so I, I know it's very like nepotist but actually from community comes opportunities definitely agree yeah but, but yes but to, but to answer your question I didn't actually start writing until I was about 35 and mm. I do think that's because I was just busy paying the bills and I just I just didn't have time to like take some time out to write my feature because I was like paying my bills so yeah. I think it's you know it's kind of a privilege to like find your own voice I know often people ask me to come and speak now about like queer animation like the queer animation mm -hmm. genre and I always say this genre did not exist like five years ago yeah. um and, and I'm not saying like I was the only one making these films but I mean <laughs> I, I certainly didn't start making queer films until yeah about 2005 2000, 2006 I'd say mm -hmm. is when I made no 2005 did Love Works 2006 I did Pussy Willow Queer Heroes and and then the success of those gave me the confidence to continue doing this kind yeah. of work because I realized that people there was like a like a call for it but yeah I, I feel like it took me a while to like get there I sort of feel like if you're not like a white man from the southeast if you're anything else you're on a slow train so, so I feel like they're on the fast train whereas like everyone else is on a slow train and mm -hmm. you, you kind of like round the houses and you sort of like get there in the end but it takes you four hours not one hour yeah <laughs> But yeah, as, as you say, it's it's really nice that within those five years, there has been just more kind of demand for more um, diverse films. And I hope that in another five years time, it will be triple the amount of demand and, and it will just kind of get better and better. Um, and I, think that, it's really, it's, I was just mm. going to say, it's something that myself and Noah it occasionally pops up at least once a week is that subject of the surprise that there is still a lot of barriers through things like race and class and gender yeah. and things like that and you think 
and, and I think we're quite lucky, aren't we, where we work, we're trying to work with people. We're, we're trying to be fully inclusive to get anyone yeah. involved in, in it somehow. And, and we're trying to help find that other way in to the industry. Um, mm. But it's just, yeah. it's still, still a surprise when you hear about how there is still that kind of barriers to get through mm. just to, yeah. and, and, and um, um, what's the word now? Sorry, stereo, stereotype. Mm. Yeah, stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. when people see yeah, a woman at a film festival, they think she's yeah. an actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. But um, something else that I, I wanted to ask you about was: Do you have any particular animators or shows or just things in general that inspire you with your work? Yeah. Um, how long have you got? <laughs> Um, yeah, so actually one of the first people that really inspired me was Michel Gondry, um, who is who is a, a white male director. So he's a French director, he's doing lots of music videos, and he's so surreal, It's it just really captured my imagination. So he was doing a lot of music videos for like Bjork and Beck and the White Stripes and, and people in the 90s and early 2000s. He's gone on to make a feature now, hang on a minute, I have it, I have it, I have it here. Uh, <laughs> Um, Mood Indigo, which is just wonderful. So, so he works with part live action and part as part stop motion. So, mm. so actually, I think that kind of mixed media approach I was really inspired by by Michel Gondry, mm. and I just n- never stopped loving him. <laughs> and, then, and then also, um, who I think I discussed with you over email was, was Sarah Ann Kennedy, who I know mm. you had before on, yeah. on on this animation club. So she wrote Captain Villas. So Craps and Villas, mm. uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, is a hilarious um, adult animation uh, stop motion series that was commissioned by Channel 4 in the 90s. Sadly, that is actually the last animation series that was di- directed by a woman and also the last animation series that was commissioned by the UK that is an adult animation series. So mm. since then, the animation industry in the UK has been very children's animation dominated, yeah. uh, which is not a bad thing. So there's a big sort of um, children's animation scene. Uh, so there's a lot of really good work that's been made. But right now, all of the adult animation is coming out of America. Mm. So I'd say those are my early influences. But then in contemporary times, I, I think there's actually been a lot of really exciting animation that's come out just these past few years, actually. Yeah. And I do think that's to do with the 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 introduction the, the, the introduction sorry of of streaming as a model mm. and like Netflix BoJack Horseman is I just I love it I just think it's a masterpiece I just think the way that they approach quite difficult topics like addiction yeah. the way that they approach that and and actually topics that have never been addressed before like asexuality mm. I, I can't remember seeing an ace character before or after I mean like like correct yeah. me, there might be some others. Mm. Um, and then Tuka and Bertie, which is obviously yeah. directed by the art director of Bojack. Um, again, I mean, it kind of like focuses on the female lens. And then Midnight Gospel. I mean, it's just it's wonderful. It's just so there's some really exciting stuff coming out of of America, actually, of late. So, so, in, so in terms of like mainstream animation, I feel like America is yeah. kind of leading the way in adult animation. Mm. But still, there's a lot of really exciting stuff coming out of Eastern Europe. So I know that like traditionally Eastern Europe kind of paved the way in early 20th century. So a lot of the early like Czech animators, like Jan Svankmeyer doing all the like creepy stop motion stuff, mm. but um, like Polish animation, a lot of it is just br- like brilliant, like Hungarian animation. So I'm often blown away. There's the animation school MOM where some of the best directors come out of that animation school in Budapest. Again, and a lot of great stuff out of, 
out of Poland. So, and a lot of really strong female directors, like Renata, who did the film Pussy, that was storming the film festival circuit a few years mm. ago, uh, and Flora Anabuda, who did. I can't remember her film, the one that came out that's like 11 minutes long. Uh, it was like her own graduation film. So it's so a lot of real, like, like female, Entropia, Entropia, sorry. <laughs> a lot of real, like, female-led stuff, but just beautifully executed. But what I find really interesting about these directors is that they're part of countries where they actually don't have the same kind of, like, rights and privileges as yeah. Western European countries. So Hungary has just brought in the equivalent of Section 28, which is what we had in the 90s that Thatcher mm. brought in between 86 and 2000. They've just brought it in in Hungary. They're just bringing it, bring it in in Poland. Poland tried to bring in the anti-LGBT areas, but the EU shut it down because it basically, yeah. basically like basically fascist and yeah. they're going into EU principles. So a lot of these kind of former Eastern Bloc countries are going very right wing. But what's mm. interesting is a lot of the animation that's coming out of there is just, it's fierce and it's wild. <laughs> and a lot of these directors coming out of these countries are just, yeah, fierce and wild. So in terms of indie animation, still Eastern, the Eastern Bloc, it just blows me away all the time but in yeah. terms of like mainstream animation i'd say a lot of american stuff it's a it's a good use of uh freedom of speech for some of the countries like poland that is, is like spank Meyer yeah. is known for that is the way he's represented things is yeah you can't say it they animate it so. yes ab absolutely yeah i think all of like former soviet union those countries that yeah i mean they they were working with animation like as a form of protest in a way and as a yeah. form of activism and, and awareness yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's yeah, it's really interesting still. Um, how how animation originally originated out, out of those countries and how it does still. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, shall we see if there's any questions from Fiona? Yeah, you yeah, could. yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. have to some clips as well if anybody wants okay. to actually no see what. Yeah, happens. definitely. I mean, would would you like to show some of your work now, and we'll we'll have a look at some of yeah. yeah. See what yeah. questions Fionn's got for us as well. After yeah, that. yeah. Um, oh, I, yes. I don't, I don't know what you want to see. So I've just lined up a bunch of stuff. I, I'm not doing yeah. full films. I'm just no, doing. No, of course, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that sounds great. Even though all my films are only like two minutes oh, anyway. Man. But oh, um, so I'm going to start off with um, Tell Some Pussy Willow trailer. So this is just like a 44 seconds trailer. So this just gives you the overview of the series that we were talking about. Okay, I'm, I'm going to stop sharing. So, so that that's just yeah, the real of right. Pussy Willow. That's like 44 seconds, but you can watch the rest of the apps um, on the internet. But that's just to refer to to what we talked yeah. about. And ask a question from in amongst Fions because I think we've answered quite a few of those already yeah. uh, in one way or another. Uh, one is, do you mentor any upcoming creatives in the animation industry? So, do you uh, do any mentoring or anything like that? I don't do mentoring, but um, I do. I do lecture part time in a, in a university, which is a bit like a bit like mentoring, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'll be doing that today. I've been in crits this morning. Um, <laughs> so no, not mentoring as such, but yeah, yeah I I do like teach. I actually quite a few universities. So so I have a part time contract, but then mm. I often get emails to come in and do various talks at, at different universities. So so I do a lot of talks, yeah. but but no, I haven't done any mentoring. No. So do you have anybody like helping out uh, with some of your animations? Do you get people to oh, yeah. come and, and yeah. uh, assist with them or? Yeah, with, with Pussy Willow. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't mm -hmm. just me. Um, yeah, I often like to, to work with a team. So um, yeah. With uh, Pussy Willow, is that an ongoing series or is that finished now? Is it one that you've got? plans for more episodes 
Um, well, there's a good question. So, so I set it up about five years ago, just for mm. the crack. And I didn't really realize that it was that people were just going to like it so much. So it was just kind of like, it's just, it was just like an experiment. So I just sort mm. of like, I just wrote most of the scripts in one day, actually. And then mm. I shot most of it in one day and then just put it out on the internet. And it just won so many awards. It sort of blew me away a little bit. And then mm. it, then I was selected for the Berlin Alley Talent Lab with the series. So with the Talent Lab, they choose like 10 projects out of thousands internationally to choose to like to like mentor so so then it got selected so I was in Berlin Ali with it um like well it'd be nearly three years ago now and so I was mentored with it so I had a mentor um so the script writer from God's Own Country which I know seems um a little bit different but but it is like managing queer themes uh, and it was brilliant it was absolutely brilliant and then I had a producer who I signed with for a year and a half who was touting it out to studios, um, to, sorry, broadcasters. Mm -hmm. And so we got rejected from like Comedy Central and and quite quite a few broadcasters, the feedback being it's too edgy. Mm -hmm. So so I'm not quite sure <laughs> what, <laughs> what to make of that. Mm -hmm. so, so actually, um, yeah, I've written a shit ton of scripts that are all waiting to be made, but I've paused it for quite a mm -hmm. while because I thought I'm not gonna just make it like like before yeah. kind of like just basically on nothing so all of that yeah. is done on nothing like yeah. uh, there was no budget I thought I'm gonna wait and see if anybody actually commissions me to do it mm. so so in the meantime uh what I've done is I am developing it to be so yes I'm developing a series but I'm developing it to be something a little bit different mm. so it's not that Pussy Willow is dead it's there's going to be a revamped version which I'm going to launch soon that's really cool very Look exciting yeah. yeah yeah we'll keep our eyes peeled to see if um, mm. that comes yeah. up anytime so, soon. there's going to be more animal characters mm. um so cool. i don't remember the unicorn um or, or, orgasm unicorn so yeah. unicorn appears at times of climax so orgasm unicorn first appeared in coming into the station when she climaxes on the train the, the unicorn appears but the unicorn appears in quite a few of the they're sort of like a sort of secondary character mm. uh, mm. little, little ch ch cheeky gallop appears every now and again <laughs> Um, like at the end of Queerer Than Now, when, um, when there's like the glitter explosion, we go oh, to yeah. the end and then there's the unicorn. So so actually I'm developing the unicorn character and oh, also yeah. the cats as well. So mm -hmm. in, in Lesbian Argument, which actually I didn't put back on the internet. Um, so the producer that I signed with said, take it all off the internet and we're going to like start again. But mm -hmm. then when it didn't get commissioned and I split from my producer, I just put it all back on the internet, but not all of it. So actually... Mm -hmm. The vegetarian house share episode that's also in that clip. I didn't yeah. put that online. The script is on the website, but I don't know. I, I'm still reassessing which to put online. Mm. But um, anyway, so the cats that are in the background are also being developed. So I've written quite a few yeah. cat episodes as well. So mm. it's it's in the pipeline. Very very interesting. Very different to well in the song. Mm. Yeah, it was um, funny because we were watching some episodes in work and. Um, I remember you said, I don't know if I should show anything because it's for a higher age group. And I said, oh, no, these seem fine. And then suddenly it was the coming to the station episode. I went, oh, here we go. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, there is a chance about clitoral technique, which, you know, um, is perhaps not safe for work. Yeah. Let's we uh, get stuck in your head, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before. I was doing something on the computer. I went right to left. I was just started singing. 
it's really funny because when, when i used to go to london animation club we would always do kind of like work in progress shares so so when you're um a freelancer you mm. often you can sometimes like working in your own little like animation cave so i used to really like going and we'd all share a work in progress or i'd get feedback before i signed something up to a client yeah. with other animators and i came with that episode and i shared it and i remember one of the guys afterwards was like Thank you, Kate. That was really informative. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and he was like, oh, how, how informative. Thank you. And I was like, well, Rosemary, his wife, I was like, well, she'll be pleased later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, but also, as well as being a little bit cheeky, um, mm. I mean, that episode also addresses other themes, which is which is to do with the invisibility of older women, because, mm. I mean, this is something that I wanted to address in regards to, again, like how men and women are treated differently in society. Mm. So when a woman reaches over the age of, say, 60, everyone's like, all oh, right, all right, come on, Nana, let me help you cross the road. Whereas like when a man reaches over 60, everyone treats him like he's Gandalf, you know? Oh, you've frozen. Are you still there? Thank you for listening to this podcast. Unfortunately, this Q&A has come to a sudden end due to a power cut in the area where this was recorded. We do apologize for any inconvenience or confusion this may cause for any of our listeners. In addition, we would like to thank Kate Jessup for speaking to us and the Animation Club for their hard work. We would also like to apologize to Kate Jessup for any inconvenience this may have caused for her during her recording with us. Goodbye.